Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Bubble. With me once again, uh, 411's Steve Cook. And uh, we we lied to you last time. We said we had run out of documentaries to talk about. Um, and we were going to get back to, you know, discussing the four matches at WWE Hell in a Cell because they're moving all of them uh, onto other shows at this point. Um, but no, I kid. We actually have another one to discuss. And this one, Steve, I think was very... I mean, captivating, but it's like the one word that stands out to both the rest of me about this vice versa documentary on China was just sad. Like, what a sad two hours this was to kind of watch the downfall, like in actual, you know, documentary form of this woman. And as we'll talk about the the cast of characters uh, around her. You know, China had one of the most interesting careers of any uh, female performer in, in pro wrestling. Let's be honest. Um not too many people uh, took the road that she took. Not too many people did the things that she did. And I'm just, I have to be kind of honest when we talk about this. You know, a lot of people like to come out and say that they were so-and-so's biggest fan after they passed away. You know how it is. Anytime somebody passes away, you have a bunch of people trying to jump on board and saying, oh, I was their biggest fan, blah, 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 blah. And, but I, I try to be honest about these things. And back in the day, I, I like China as the bodyguard for Triple H. Uh, the wrestling just didn't do much for me. Right. I just I just wasn't big on the intergender stuff. I mean, even if I mean China's believable, don't get me wrong, she could hold her own, but I mean China's intercontinental champion was not something I was terribly interested in. Yeah. And then it kinda had this bad side effect where once she went to the women's division, and they touched on this in the uh, in the documentary too, China mentioned like once she went to the actual women's division, it was like a downgrade. Yeah. So it just kind of served the purpose of making the rest of the women just not look so good because China was the only person that could wrestle the men. And now they don't have any women wrestle men, which is probably for the best. I don't know. That's intergender wrestling, probably another topic for another time. But uh, just suffice to say, I was never a huge China fan. And one of the, my main takeaways from watching this documentary, um, it's kind of weird. It's kind of self-serving, but I I kind of feel bad. Because yeah. I know I've been writing about this stuff for a very long time, and I try not to look too bad, look back too much at my old stuff because a lot of it is probably embarrassing. <laughs> and I'm sure I probably said some terrible things about China at some point, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to look back and see them because I'm sure I said some horrible things about the woman who's going through so much stuff as, as this documentary showed. And it just kind of goes to show for folks like me trying to write about this wrestling and having a good time. Uh, these are human beings, and you know China's story just—it's—it's it's kind of shines a light on that of, you know, how these people are human beings, and they don't deserve to be treated this way. And uh, unfortunately, China was treated that way by a lot of people. Is this documentary show? Yeah, for sure. And I think that was the—that was the main thing to me was, I mean, I think you really do like this is a much bigger thing about like her career and everything, and and what she accomplished, and sort of the downfall, and you know the Triple H relationship we know, and that's always been talked about, just how much of an effect that had on her, not just from a personal standpoint, but obviously from a professional standpoint, because I mean, you know, Jim Ross has told the story about you know China wanting the the big contract and stuff like that, and and yes, like you can understand that side of it, but also. There is like a personal nature to it. And I thought that the personal side of all of these characters in this documentary crew, um, they all seem like assholes. Like yes. they were all aside, I guess. I mean, really, like you said, th there were certainly a lot of moments you could tell in this documentary, just showing some of the footage and everything. Um, the one guy, I, I don't remember his name, 
um i guess the one that looked less of a um i don't know See, if, i don't want to re i really don't want to remember them their names because i don't want to give me credit no and that's what i'm saying i couldn't even tell you what <laughs> i mean i can tell you one name and that is her manager um and this guy was just a complete to, to me like this guy is i don't even know what you say like to me it felt like and you could see this in the footage, like her manager, it, it, and this is how it comes across. Now, yes, we're seeing just footage and I'm sure there was, you know, much deeper conversations with him and her. And, and maybe, you know, there's a lot in that relationship we have, we know nothing about, but still this does not paint him in a good light because it to me looked like he was sitting there trying to parade China around like she's a circus act. And like, like that just, it came across so horrible to me just watching this footage of him, like, you know, they're getting out of the parking lot. I don't know if that was at the, the Comic-Con or the signing or whatever they were at, but it's like, you know, he's treating her like she's a like an elephant at the circus where it's like, hey, come see China. Like, you know, it's just, and, and I just, that was the theme I thought throughout. And, and obviously you can go to the very end where it's like, this guy's calling up the TV show intervention, um, knowing that she needs help yeah. right away. And then yeah, he doesn't want. He wants to do an intervention, but he wants to make sure there are cameras there. By right. God, right? And then you know, even the camera, like he's taking the camera with him, as the guy had mentioned. One of the other documented people is like knowing that this could be a possibility that China is then there dead. But you he, know, we haven't seen China for a few days. Well, let me go get the cameraman. Right. Let Let's get the camera because we need this footage for the documentary. If she's dead, and what do you know? She is. And this guy still has talked about in some of the interviews. I think he did one with Wrestling Inc. or something about how he still has the footage of, you know, what happened there. And I think the guy on on the uh, documentary, one of the crew members, like, mentioned that. He's like, why does this guy still have this footage? And then the, the memorial service he does. Where, oh, good Lord. I mean, it's just like, to, like, I thought of everyone in this thing, this guy to me, I mean, we could go on and on. We could talk about this guy pushing him, pushing her to to go to her dad's gravesite, setting up the stuff with her mom. And then above all else, like this guy's thing, saying, I was just trying to be, you know, be a spiritual help to her and all this <laughs> other stuff. Like what a lo load of shit this guy's bringing to the table, because I just thought that he came across absolutely awful on this thing. Well, most people will tell you they're trying to be a spiritual advisor or not the people you really need as a spiritual advisor. I yes, mean, let's be honest. That's very true. Most of those people are just not the people you need that kind of uh, role. Uh, there is also the filmmaker who seemed like he's drugged out most of the time. I'm pretty sure he's drugged out doing his interview, interview interview for this show. Yeah. He seems like he's on something. I don't know what. I don't care. It's just, it's kind of amazing to me. It tells you something about it, this show and the people involved. Vince Russo did not seem like, Vince Russo seemed like one of the better people on the show. He came across, I thought, <laughs> him and Mick Foley were the two people I thought that came across the best as you could, and like they were humans in this thing. And I thought Vince Russo said a lot of things about, you know, he seemed like someone who had a generate, genu like a genuine interest in China's well-being, whereas these other people that were around her did not. And they were only using her for her popularity, her fame. And basically, you know, Vince Russo, Mick Foley, those were the type of people that seemingly, when they interacted with her, like they were providing the type of support system she needed versus, you know, the shit that she was getting from all these other people that were around her trying to exploit her and her weaknesses, certainly throughout this period in her life. It seemed like Billy Gunn was the same way to a lesser degree. I don't, I don't think Billy was as, was as involved as uh, Mick Foley or Vince Russo were. And Kevin Nash, too, I think, also. Nash also yeah. came up with somebody that uh, gave a crap. And then we had Sean Waltman, X-Pac, on the show. And Sean's a guy who's had his ups and downs. 
And uh, we can place some of the blame at Sean's feet here as well, because he had a lot to do with, uh, you know, uh, the, some of the twists and turns that came in Jenny's life later on. And it seems like now Sean's in a better place, and God bless him for it. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, is kind of all you can say about that. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it does seem like, and, and you could, you know, he was, he did not shy away from that. You know, he, he basically put it all on the table. It's like, look, we were bad for each other, especially at that point in both of their lives. Um, and he does seem like someone, and I don't know how, you know, comparisons to Lex Luger and stuff like we've seen, you know, we talked about in the other documentaries with, with Luger and kind of how he's, he's really, you know, changed his life probably, you know, to, to a similar extent after everything that happened with, with Miss Elizabeth and such, and, and talking about, you know, all the, the addictions and things like that, that they went through within their relationship, you know, obviously some similarities with this one too, I think just in terms of you know, Waltman, but, but it does seem like he is, you know, he's got his podcast now. He's, I mean, he, you know, he just, he seems like someone that is, that has turned a corner from that part of his life. Uh, but he, he did not, you know, again, he didn't shy away from basically putting some of the blame on himself here in terms of their relationship and, and part of her downfall. So, well, you know what though, we're talking about, uh, China's exes and, uh, we have to talk about one of the main ones that didn't appear on this show that, uh, not, not a live version anyway. He did have a, Speaking appearance on this show, but uh, our friend Triple H, Paul, no. he did not come off well in this show at all. No, not in the slightest. Uh, he didn't come off well. Uh, the play of Stephanie didn't come off well. And he, and even if you want to put aside the shady stuff with Triple H and Stephanie that led to the breakup, and that's that's all terrible on, on its own behalf. But then you go on, you go later on, and you have Triple H on the Stone Cold podcast talking about how. Well, we can't put China in the Hall of Fame because, you know, I have an eight-year-old kid. If they look up China on the internet, they'll find some, uh, you know, questionable material. Like, all I can say is, like, get the fuck out of here. Right. (laughs) My first thought when I think of him saying that, every time, here's the first thing I go to. I'm like, okay, tell your kid to, to Google Triple H, Katie Vick. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's completely scripted, but it's like, still, like, how... I don't know. And again, I know those are completely different when you talk about the level of extreme, I guess, in terms of, you know, I don't know, however you want to put it, but it's just like there. And as the, who was it? I think Russo was was probably the one that said it, but it's like, you think about some of the people that have gone into the WWE Hall of Fame and it's like, and you compare that. I mean, you got drug addicts. Yeah. You got a whole, you got a whole line of people there. Yeah, and, and you compare know. that to someone that, you know, certainly has entered, you know, something like that in in their life. And it's not like it was something that China did, you know, for a living for a decade or anything. Like, it's just sort of, no. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I think it's just a complete crock when you, when and you go back. And even if she and, did, it's wrong to, even if she did, it's wrong to, right. you know, put your, you know, to stand on your high horse and just kind of... uh cast dispersions on her for that i it's it was ridiculous and you know triple h of course we mentioned he played his role in that whole thing where you know once he starts hooking up the boss's daughter it's like well you know what don't need her anymore and when you know it that not long after that china is also out of the company that, that's a coincidence right yeah wow who would have thought every every time i see the clips and, and you know they they had I guess most of them in this, but like when you see the clips of Stephanie on the Howard Stern show, Triple H on the Howard Stern show, um, and you know, they they had a lot of footage from China when she made, you know, multiple appearances on that show. It's yeah. just like I, I see that and I'm like I mean, that again is sort of you talk about exploiting 
you know, a, a human being and sort of that side of it. It's just like, I mean, it was one of the people, I guess, one of the co-hosts on the Howard Stern show talking about, you know, with Triple H was on there, the differences between um, oh, how, Ste- how Stephanie was feminine and China oh, wasn't. God, and it's that, like oh, just awful man. stuff. And, and it's just like that again, like there's another person that found a way to sort of exploit some of her weaknesses, you know, and yes, I, you know, maybe some people are like, well, you know, she chose to do these things. Um, maybe it's doing these media appearances and doing some of this other stuff, even the documentary. Okay, fine. But it's like, there was clearly a part of that mentally that where she did not, you know, need to be put in those situations. Um, and it's just like, Jim Ross said it in one of his podcasts. He probably did. I guess it's been a couple months now when he was talking about China about, I mean, it really like came down to like, you cannot underestimate her simply having a broken heart after what happened with triple H and how that affected her entire life and how that played a hand in her downfall, not just the breakup itself, but really how everything unfolded from that point on, not just to lose you know, how she wound up out of the company. Exactly. Not just to lose the love of your life, but to lose it to your boss's daughter. Um, and in a very sort of public way, like it's just, it's, and then WWE has a good, a couple people mentioned this show. WWE has a really good way of writing people out once they leave. Yes, absolutely. And that, I think it was, it was Russo. Look at this. Like everything we point, like Russo, he, I have the quote right here in my notes. He's like, WWE always has an excuse. For letting people go and trying to write them out of history, and he's exactly right. I think right. Foley said something about it as well. I think they yeah. both kind of chimed, chimed in, like, "Well, you know, once somebody exits WWE, they are gone." Once she was let go, it was like she was completely erased. That's the quote I look. And I don't remember who that yeah. was. I had that attributed to, but I wrote that in my notes. Like that is exactly correct. Like and they one, pretty much had to have their arm twisted into including China and DX thing, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, I think as, so. As, I mean, it's just as there's a public outcry there where people where they pretty much had to do it. I don't think that was something they wanted to do, but that was the people coming up saying, well, one China big part of this deal. And well, yeah, she was. So there you go. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, and that's with like some of the reaction to to this thing. Like there've been a lot of people that have sort of come out and talked about that. And, and I, one of the other points to that is like China mentioned how like she, they had the footage of it, I guess they're talking about it, but it's like, She's recalling, like, no one will take her calls. No one will talk to her. Like, after she is... Exited, she shows up at the headquarters. Right. And, uh, and the, the guy... Nobody has time for her. Yeah, it's like, no one will even acknowledge that she exists, in a sense. In their like, fairness, in fairness to WWE, that particular... It, it was kind of a publicity stunt brought on by the uh, directors yes. and the manager and those guys. So yeah. I'll give them a little bit of leniency there because it was kind of a publicity stunt. But at the same time... Wouldn't it have gone a little bit better if maybe somebody there talked to China? Maybe. Yeah. And I, I felt like that was part of a continuing theme for her of when she left, she felt like she lost like everyone. Like, and I feel like that was that was it. Like because and we've talked about this, right? If you if you go back and listen to these episodes we've done on the Dark Side of the Ring, the A and E biography, like and we've talked about some of these people who have struggled with leaving the spotlight, getting out of the spotlight. Um, like we've talked about that sense of camaraderie and you talk about for someone like her. And I think it was, I think, again, I think it was Russo that said this, but it's like at one point she had it all. 
She lost it all. And then she sort of wonders, what's the purpose? But not just that. She's wondering all of that while losing sort of everyone around her that she's been on the road with day after day after day for years. And it's like, you can see why someone can get to that point mentally to where it's just like, what do you do? And I felt like we certainly saw this here when you go up and down and and all the footage that they have. It's like almost like she just did not know how to respond to everything that happened, you know, with the fallout from Triple H, you go after that, and, like, she just, she never saw it coming. I think that's the best way to put it. Like, she could have, she never saw this coming, and when it happened, and for her to find the love letter from Stephanie, which we've heard that story before, it's just like, she had no idea how to bounce back from that, and it was all sort of downhill, even with the ups that she had in between. Like, it just, it could never get back to the way it used to be. And it's real easy for us as Monday morning quarterbacks to sit there and say, well, maybe she should have seen it coming. But no, I mean, there's no reason for her to, for her too. And it was part of a kind of a whole life with her where I, for, I, I forget who said this again, but it seemed like she spent her whole life prior to getting WWE trying to find a family, trying to find people that loved her and respected her and all that stuff, trying to find her people. I wish I, it's probably Vince Russo, I don't know, but (laughs) she's trying to find her people, and then she finally, she gets to WWF, and she finds, you know, I mean, she's there at Triple H, and she finds, like, the Mankinds, and Billy Guns, and Xbox, and all these people, and she finally feels like she's somewhere where she belongs, and when that's taken away from her, yeah, you're back to square one, pretty much. Yeah. And you're looking for, you're looking for other things to do, once, once that's taken away from you. And that's why you turn to drugs and why you turn to all that stuff, because you're looking for something to replace that. Yeah, the footage they showed, I mean, it, it goes into that same thing. Like, you know, they showed the footage of her. I guess that was the Comic-Con thing. And I think it's someone has had pointed out, talk about sort of the haunting um, footage there where it's China. And I think it was Ashley Massaro. Was that the she came oh, out to China? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you saw that, but then there's right, another story. Yeah. No and it's like right after that, you know, China sees Mick Foley. And it's like she, you see the emotional reaction there, and it's like, yeah, she can, she can keep it together. I yeah, mean, and she it's like, even really say anything. That is, you know, you just think about that, and it's just like, my goodness. I'm sure Foley probably would. Foley is kind of guy who probably would have reached out even more, but he yeah. probably didn't feel comfortable. You know. Yeah, it, it is, and like I think that was a that was one of the most, I mean, really the memorable pieces of footage to me. Just like her reaction to seeing Foley at that that signing, and it's just like. Again, you you look at it and you're like, you felt like she probably in her mind's thinking, you know, this is someone that I really, you know, was so close with. And and like, and he I'm, was, he yeah. was so important to her career too, because he was one of the first guys that's willing to take a bump for her. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of, when she got there uh, in, in her role, there were a lot of men there that would not, uh, they were not comfortable with, uh, you know, taking bumps off a woman and making a woman, letting a woman kick their ass pretty much. And Foley was on board. He was like, cool, let's do it. And that obviously meant a lot to China. Yeah, it did. I mean, you know, Foley's one of those guys, as we've, we've always said, we talked about it sort of in the, the A&E stuff and everything. It's just like, you know, there's just not, you're not going to find many bad words about a guy like that who has really always been supportive. I think not only of, you know, China and, you know, the relationship there, but it's like he's always been someone that, that's been very supportive of sort of the women's, um, you know, evolution in WWE and those type of things. Like he's he's always been very outspoken on, you know, the need for that. And, and I, you know, that's just, I mean, that's, that's who he is. And, um, yeah, he, he did like, you know, the interviews with him and 
I mean, you know, you even had interviews in this thing with with Anoki. I mean, you had Chono, like you just yeah. had. Quite well, it was a... nice. You know what? A nice see Chono invite. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Well, and see, and I and I like I didn't forget about it, but it's like you know, I'm sure now if you go back and watch Chono's match with China, like you could probably you know pinpoint a lot of things and say, well, it's nice to hear how, how he was very impressed with her too. Yeah, and, and you know, if you look at just the clips they showed, and again, I you know, it's probably been a long time since I've seen that match, but it's like, you know, you could you could get that sense that like it was certainly a very unique match in terms of having her in that spot against someone Chono like Chono. didn't hold back and she didn't hold back. No, like China, I mean, Chono <laughs> kicked the shit. I mean, he just kicked her in the face. Like you could tell I me, mean, you saw the footage, like he just, he did not care. And, and she didn't either. Like she was just going at him and um, yeah. And, and it's just like, those are the kind of things you look back on and you're like, my God, like she was, she was so unique, like just unbelievably unique in terms of just what she brought to the table um in wrestling and it's like again it all sort of traced back to the childhood you know that was some of the things she talked about like you know just the rough childhood she had and and again the relationship with them with the mother yeah who she didn't see for however many years yeah the mother and the sister you know the sister was in this talking a lot about yeah. really just being the only they had person. their falling out yep and that took her to rehab, I guess it was, and said she had only stayed, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And from there, like, it was, that was it for them in terms of their relationship. And it's just, like, there's so many, like, I don't know, like, there's, it felt like there were so many sort of breaking points in this just throughout the entire story. And, you know, but but I think, too, it's, like, what makes it so sad is you see her, and, yes, like, she's not the China you're used to seeing. But, like, when you see the footage of her, like, you know, she's going to China or going to um, Japan to be the school teacher and this type of stuff. And, like, she's really trying to seemingly get away from all the bad stuff. And it's just, you know, but it just doesn't hold. And Even the road away, you can you can escape it. Yeah, like, she could never completely get away from it. Um, and, yeah, like, it's just, I don't know. Like, that. This was a, this was a rough one because I think, again— it's easy, and you said it earlier, like, I think it's easy to sort of latch on to some of the things and, and go back in time and think, man, it was probably easy to say things, not knowing the full situation and, and really not understanding and maybe only grabbing, you know, sound bites and certain, you know, yeah. ta- tabloid-esque type stuff, you know, that, that really formed a picture on someone like this. But when you go deeper and you actually see this type of footage and and know how she was being treated by the people who were seemingly, you know, quote unquote, trying to help her. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. Yeah. Trying to help. Uh, yeah. Big quotation marks, big rolling of the eyes there. All those people were, were they're just in it to try to make a funny movie, uh, try to, try to get, uh, see her naked. What, what are they trying to do? Yeah. I don't know what they're trying to do. They're, they're just there along for a ride and trying to make a buck and, it's sad that she fell in with that lot, but uh, just yeah. uh, sad. Uh, it's tough. It's a tough deal. And one of those stories that really makes you wonder as a wrestling fan, like, uh, man, what are you watching here? Yeah. What are you doing? Well, I thought, and I put this in my notes, like, I thought this was the the most, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what adjective you use to describe it, but it's like her comment where I, 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 this may have been during that last interview footage, which you talk about another thing of just complete bullshit, like just the them doing the interview with her um, in the state she was in, like in the, you yeah. know, they showed clips of that throughout. But 
I think it may have been during that or it may have been something bef- may have been one of the interviews before, but I think she said it during that was like her exact quote was she's talking about sort of how she had got to that point and she goes, "Did I do something that bad with my life like for me to be in this position and to feel like she's being treated that way?" And you know, like I'm thinking like no, like what did she do? You know, I was just like yeah, she I, never I, murdered anybody. Yeah. Like she never <laughs> I don't remember committing any crimes. I mean, you can talk about public. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously the drugs, but uh, she never hurt anybody that I know of. See, and that's that that to me was like, God, to hear that and like to actually hear it coming out of it. Not even, you know, not from Russo or Foley or any of those. Like it came from her mouth about did I actually do something that bad with my life to feel like, you know, to be treated this way or to be put in this position where I am clearly an absolute mess. Um, I mean, maybe from WWE, the biggest crime was she asked for more money, but for God's sake. Right. You know? Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> that's one of the things you hear. It's like, and someone pointed that out, and, and you can, as I said, like, I have nothing against Jim Ross, but it's like, <laughs> he was, he had the job, and we know what the job entailed. You know, he's talked a lot about that stuff on his podcast, and, um, you know, just, just being in that position with talent relations and having to, you know, structure contracts and, and help out with those negotiations and stuff like that. It, it's a, it's a tough job. We know it, but still to tell me that, you know, uh, you're not going to convince me that China asking for a lot of money all of a sudden makes her a bad person. Um, you know what? They said the same thing about Sable too. Sable asked for too much money, but uh, you know what? Sable married Brock Lesnar. So now nobody's going to say a bad thing about Sable now. <laughs> right. <I> mean, <laughs> It's just, and and yes, like, and and I get that, but it's like, man, I understand, you know, it's like, well, we had to let China go because of the money and, and, you know, she's wanting Steve Austin money and this type of stuff. Exactly. Like, I I feel like there's, there's a lot more you can go into on that. And I don't think JR has said that. I mean, the budget cuts, you know, we got to watch the budget. We got to watch the profit margin. Well, again, like what I said, the the Russo quote about WWE always having an excuse for releasing talent or wanting to let go. And he's, he's exactly right. And some fans will always buy into it too. Yes. And you know, there, there's always a reason. And like I said, I don't think JR says it maliciously, but, but I do think that's one of the things you can poke a hole in just like what we talked about with triple H's reasoning, you know, for her not being in the hall of fame and, you know, Foley. Oh, Triple H is far more the villain than Jr. Let's not, yeah. let's not sugarcoat that. <laughs> right. Triple H is far more a villain in this piece than good old Jr. Yeah, which uh, Jared is doing his job. Triple H. Uh, well, God, I mean, I, I would like to be nice to the old boy, but it's tough these days. <laughs> it's really, it's getting tough. I'm not, I'm not feeling like I need to spring for a fruit basket for the guy anymore. I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you, we only be sending guy any fruit. That's all I'm the, saying. The comments don't age well, and um, those specific comments do not age well at all at this point. And, um, you know, as as we said, like a lot of us probably said things that don't age well, but still, this is a, a I pretty... I have. Raise my hand. I, <laughs> have. I have. I have. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> we could probably do an entire, you know, podcast series on these things, but um, yes. Let's not. <laughs> that's, we're not going to. <laughs> Let's not say we did. <laughs> we're not going to. Um, but yes, it's just... I, I, yeah, like it just, th- there was so much stuff in this that, that I, I mean, we talked about like being sad with a lot of these and sort of the, the emotions that the dark side of the ring episode specifically brought out. Um, when you go back to all the different stories and again, there, there've been so many in dark side of the ring, whether it's Owen, yeah. Jake, you know, there, there's lots but of different this one, ones. This one is even sadder because it was China telling her story. Yes. There you go. That's, that's without the, I mean. without the dark side interludes, without the, 
reenactments without uh, you know Chris Jericho narrating, which I uh, Jericho and China had quite the relationship too. They should have found yeah. Jericho for the former co-intercontinental champions. Come on now. Yeah. No, I and. I don't know if Chris looks back on that fondly, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I and that's what I say. Like Jeff Jarrett, I think you know when he did his podcast on um, talking about. Is Jarrett talking? Has he talked about? I, okay, I'll ask you because I have not. Followed, yeah. What do you say about China? So he he was. I thought he was very complimentary of her. Basically, you know, saying because he. I think he specifically addressed. We all his, know there's a big story behind that. Thing. Right. <laughs> the no mercy, whatever it was, ninety nine, um, or the contract expired before that day, actually. So. Well, and, and I'll tell you how it comes across, and I know we're going on a bit of a sidebar here, but I think it's That's worth fine. mentioning. It's worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, Jarrett, I think, comes across really well, and you almost want to say good for Jeff Jarrett, like because he talked. Well, about, I went to anyway for squeezing more money out. Exactly. Of that side. I was on. I was on his side anyway. And I think a lot of people should have been, but I don't know if that was always the case. But I think like he did. He talked about, hey, they cut, you know, they cut my contract when I started. Like they had, you know, and he mentioned like him and Jim Ross did not have like there was a lot of tension there um, based on that contract and such. But he was like, hey, he said he's like, you know, he didn't want to use the word holding up, but like that's what he did. And he's like, I did. I said, we need to find a way to make this work. Um, you did not, you know, basically adhere to the terms of my contract. And so I want to make sure that we can make this work. And what he had said was, you know, one of the things that I think he kind of mentioned was like, look, he did not want to take anything away from China because he thought that, you know, China had, I'm sure it wasn't anything personal. No. And you know, she had been put in a position to have that moment, I think was kind of the way he worded and don't quote me exactly (laughs) on that, but she had, she had been set up to be in that position and he had no problem with any of that, but it was just like his bigger problem was with WWE. And yeah, yeah, like that's uh, I will say this and we've said it before, but you know, again, I know sidebar, but like Jeff Jarrett's podcast has been, I think like Conrad, as we know, does a lot of podcasts and, and it's just, I, I, I enjoy him. I know there's a lot of them. Um, He has a few, like was it seven days a week, six, seven days a week now, but like yeah. Jeff Jarrett's has been very good in terms of just, you know, going into the whole TNA story, which there's another thing like, you know, the China stuff there. And it's like, I mean, mm-hmm. th- there's always those connections. And um, yeah, so I, I know we went off on a little bit of a sidebar there, but that was something that is a big part of her career, right? I mean, you know, being put in that position. That's a and, huge part of her yeah. career, being put every kind of champion. Yeah. So, um Man, I don't know. This was, it was, it was sad to watch this. And, you know, and, and I applaud Jeff Chair for holding up Vince for getting more money. I don't blame him for that at all. No. I wish more people would do that. Yeah. I wish more of these talents would stand up for themselves. No, I... They I, don't, I, especially these days, they don't. No, it's, it's, it's a different situation. So <laughs> they bow down days. to the, they bow down again to deal position. It's yeah. a sad situation. Well. Ugh. There's a there's another podcast um, in yeah. terms of what we which we've had some of those before. I'm talking about that, but yeah, I, I think that was it, man. This this um, the, the takeaways from this two hours and man, you talk about two hours of just. I mean, that might be. I mean, I definitely recommend watching it if yes. you haven't watched it yet. I, although I know, may you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched it yet. I I think you probably should have if you're listening to podcast anyway. But. Yeah. <laughs> Some I people was, just want to get it through us. Like some people just want to watch through uh, our voice, which, hey, I can appreciate that. Thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> I, I, I've always been confused by that because I'm not a big podcast person in general. No. I mean, I click on the YouTube clips and whatnot, but uh, talk about holding up for money. You should, everyone should know what we have to do 
to get Steve on this podcast. I mean, you talk about right. someone holding up for money. Oh God, yeah, you know, <laughs> I actually bring the gun. I actually, <laughs> you know, Jeff Jarrett didn't bring the gun. I br I bring the gun. I'm like, hey, here's what I want. This is what I want. God damn it. Oh man. That's why I'm not running as much these days. But that's another story <laughs> for another time. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, it, it is like it's just um. It, it's you should like this is. I think this was, and again, I, I try not to watch, use, but definitely check it out. It is like, it's very worth the watch because I think you get a much deeper appreciation for China and her story. Versus, I definitely did. Yes. I, I definitely did. And I said, as a person, as I made earlier, I was not like China's biggest fan. I mean, I, and I stated earlier, like a lot of people like to come out and say, Oh, you know, I was the so-and-so's biggest fan right after they passed away. And that was not me, but, uh, Definitely after watching this show, I definitely gained appreciation for what she went through. And I, I had before. I mean, I, I felt bad about the whole Hall of Fame nonsense, uh, you know, where China should have been China should be included before she's included is the whole thing. I understand. But uh you know what? I don't appreciate Triple H as much these days. I'm not gonna lie. Doesn't yeah, you're not <laughs> probably gonna gain a deeper appreciation for him. If if you're no, looking oh if you're God, looking to find that a good year of NXT. You know? <laughs> yeah, if you're looking to find that, you probably watch NXT um and understand. I don't want a triple H documentaries on Peacock. <laughs> well, there's there's one from two thousand eleven or thirteen. Um you're gonna there miss you a go. pretty big chunk of the story probably, um, since he, you know, went on to, to do some things after that. But uh, yes, this is probably not the one if you want to see, but listen, if you, if you want to, I don't know if, a, you know, I don't know, but if you, if you want to get a better sort of understanding for the relationship that like people like, you know, Mick Foley and Vince Russo had, you know, with China and, and really, you know, their, their positive, you know, support and interest they had in her life. Um, this is definitely something you'll get that because as we said, that was not the case for the people like her manager. Um, again, I don't, I don't want to. Aim oh, to, don't, to, yeah, don't even the manager, <laughs> the filmmaker, all the people involved with that. Man, oh God, just I don't remember their names. I don't want to remember their names. They deserve no credit. It, they don't deserve to be remembered. They're assholes. Well, that's uh, it's it's brutal. I think it's our listening. Then kick my then kiss my ass. You know? <laughs> Putting um, that out there. Yeah. Well, that's safe. We'll we'll be sure to to bookmark that in the. Uh... I'm sure they're listening. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> And, and, the and the timestamps, we'll we'll timestamp that. Uh, Steve um, <laughs> tells documentary crew, "Kiss ass." Uh, we will <laughs> we'll be sure to put that in the timestamps. So you can quickly get to that if you like. But uh, yes, definitely go check this out. Um, this will, you know, as we know, Dark Side of the Ring doesn't return until September. But uh, this is one uh, that definitely worth the the two hours. And I'm, and I'm glad that uh, I'm kind of glad that China got the chance. To, uh, she got the chance to tell her own story here. Yeah. Without, you know, like I mentioned earlier, without the interludes and all the Chris Jericho narration, all that stuff, I thought it was a good story to tell right there. And like I said, I feel I feel bad. Not everybody gets to tell their own story, as we've seen with a lot of those Dark Side of the Ring episodes. Um, but yeah, the fact that she did, uh, this is, I would I would highly recommend this because uh, this is, there's just, there's so much in this. And like I said, I do think you come out with a much deeper appreciation for kind of the state she was in. Um, really after um, she she left WWE and kind of everything you saw after that. Um, it's it's easy to see all the sound bites and clips and memes. You see the sound bites, you see the headlines, and it seems like she's yeah. a, kind of a running joke for those years, but you don't really understand what's going on there. And that's well, the mistake I made, a mistake a lot of other people made at the time. We didn't, we didn't know what, all that's going on there. 
Yeah, and as we know, there are a lot of people out there who um, are do not shy away from exploiting someone with a lot of fame and popularity and um, putting you know themselves, attaching themselves to that to try. And to... those people, I want five minutes in the room with those people. Yeah, yeah. Gonna... I'm issuing a challenge now too. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's um... give me five minutes with that with that manager guy. <laughs> My goodness, <laughs> we're gonna timestamp that as well. Um, yeah. So if you. Uh, who's gonna? Are, I guess I'm gonna have to review the show. You're not gonna be able to review the show yourself if you're wrestling this guy. So I'll have to do a yeah. special uh, 411 Mania review for uh, Steve Cook versus um, whatever this guy's name was. But um, yes, that it, that could be contrary to to the popular rumor going around right now. That is not actually the the third Hell in a Cell match on this <laughs> upcoming show. It's not the third Hell in a Cell match. Because Triple H wants nothing to do with us. <laughs> what a, what a segue. Triple H his hands of all this. <laughs> we were just about to get into what is probably going to be the quickest Hell in a Cell preview you will hear on any podcast. Um, but Steve set me up great for the segue there because it's like, we were talking about this before we started recording. It's like, I appreciate, you know, I, I have nothing against some of the matches. You know, you're going to have Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley for, I don't know, whatever, how many times they've, they've fought at this point. Um, it's a good match, though. Yeah, it's going to be a good match. So I said, it doesn't really matter how many times. Like, you're probably going to get a, a solid match out of it. Um, and then, you know, you've got Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley, which the road should to this match, match should be a good match. <laughs> but the road to this match has been one of the most convoluted, um, wild storylines, uh, just in terms of why this match is happening. I have no idea, but it should be a good match. Bianca and Bailey should be a good match. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn should be a good match. But. Still, it's like the reason probably that most people wanted to watch Hell in a Cell was Roman Reigns, Rey Mysterio, in my opinion. Maybe that's just my yeah. personal, but even though the outcome was totally predictable, right? But it's we all knew Roman Reigns was winning that match, no matter what. But you just like you had that thought of Roman Reigns going to destroy Dominic Mysterio's dad in front of him on Father's Day. Like, I just thought that that was the perfect heel, like, I don't know, but to move yeah. it to Friday, SmackDown, hey. It was a fine match. I'll because tell you one thing. Fox got tired of plugging Peacock. And yeah. I don't blame him for it. Well, but you know what felt so weird is watching that match on on Friday was like that. That's the first time we've ever had a Hell in a Cell match with commercial breaks, right? <laughs> I mean, it just it just you can't. It takes away. Like I just. Well, like, you know what? They had the Hell in a Cell match on Raw back in 1998. At the end of the show, I don't think they had a commercial oh, yeah. because during the overrun, right? <laughs> that weird tag team match with uh, was that. Austin Undertaker and Kane Mankind. Yeah. That weird shit. I mean... Which doesn't really count, but we, you know... I know. It's just... I don't know. I mean, this is... Again, I don't I don't know that this... The gimmick pay-per-views itself, there's another podcast. Like, you know... Yeah, you you to, could have a Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn Hell in a Cell yeah. in a Ring of Honor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just... Man, I don't know. I, I'm not... Like, trust me, this is not me just sitting here um, bashing WWE, but I just think it's like... Everything, this is nothing new, but everything just seems to change like on a whim. And you just, and we know yeah. why. We, we talked, we, we saw know exactly it. We why. saw a change on a whim this week. Yeah. It's just like, how can you have a deep investment knowing that things change so much? But, but I will say, I, I don't know. Like maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but it's like, surely when they get back to these live crowds, they can't possibly. <laughs> Do some of the stuff they've been doing. Like they can't possibly do it. Well, uh, yeah, well, they we'll can't see. do some of the <laughs> some of the production. I mean, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I just I don't know. I want to think that some of this is just like, hey, 
We're just gonna we have we have no ideas. We know exactly what we want to do. We get live crowds back in July, and then we know what we want to do at SummerSlam. But we have no idea what we want to do before that. So let's just throw everything we can out there, and we don't care if it makes sense or not. Um, God, I hope that's it. But I, I don't know. The amazing thing is with Roman Reigns is you cannot have a SummerSlam without him against like John Cena or The Rock. Yeah. I and just, you cannot not have a WrestleMania without Roman Reigns against John Cena or The Rock because John Cena or The Rock are the only people that I can think of that would be seen as valuable contenders. Roman Reigns, am I right? Yeah, because if if Brock who else is if, there? If Brock came back and beat him, I don't know that people. Hey, Brock. Okay, Brock. Like, I don't think one. people yeah, want that. Fuck. I just don't think like. But I think they put themselves at this point now, and and I'm not saying this is a bad thing because again, otherwise, if you take Roman Reigns out of the equation in WWE for the past however many months, you got some decent stuff, but my God, like it is nowhere near. Like he, well, SmackDown pretty much is a Roman Reigns show, and thank yes, God for it. Exactly. I was going to say, like without him, and it's so funny to sort of think about, because if we had this conversation uh, however many years ago, and you think about, it's like, oh my God, like would we have ever predicted that this is like... Because they mean, finally took the internet's <laughs> advice and turned him heel. Yes. He's a goddamn heel, right. motherfucker. Cornette. Um, finally, <laughs> but like, like they they put themselves in a position now to where it's like they have to get this right on who beats him. Um, because I don't want this to be something to where they this loss has to mean something. I think they've understood that because otherwise they could have had anyone beat him at this point. But I'm like, surely to God, they understand this loss when it happens. It has to be the biggest thing they've done in a long, long time. Um, and as much as, uh, as I love Rey Mysterio, it's, that, that's not it. Right. That's not it. And it wasn't, I mean, and I say this again, but like Cesaro at that time, it was not it. Like Cesaro mm-hmm. was not going to be that guy either. But it is like, if it's not John Cena, if it's not The Rock, then you better sure as hell like put someone, elevate someone to that level. But they haven't like <laughs> Big E. Like no, I would have said Big E could be that, but they haven't done anything to make me believe that Big E is going to be that guy. Absolutely not. Right? No. And it's just. No. So I have no idea who to even invest in outside of Commander John Cena. Aziz, maybe? <laughs> Commander uh-huh. Aziz. Oh my goodness. Are they bring... He looks fine in the match. Well, hell, they, he they're going to bring, they, right. they brought Samoa Joe back. Are they going to bring Alistair Black back and let him, you know, be, I don't know. Like, it's just, uh, speaking of which, you want to talk about a positive. Like Samoa Joe <laughs> on NXT, that's a positive. So, um. You know what? I mean, I hope Samoa Joe didn't take too big a pay cut. Yeah. That's all I hope there. I hope that they didn't, completely like half the salary or something because that is the best place for, for Samoa Joe. And, uh, you know, I know that we would like to dream match book him in AEW or ROH or New, New Japan or whatever, but that, that role in NXT with him as Regal's backup, that's, that is the best possible use for Samoa Joe right now. Yeah. He choked out that damn cold bitch is good. <laughs> I like it. That was a great episode of NXT. I know a lot, a lot of people have said that, but that was one of the best NXT episodes in a long time, I think. Um, so that is something. And as we said, we we did we did spend some time bashing Triple Keeps H. Regal but... viable and Jerry's <laughs> are doing stuff. It's yeah. that's the best possible solution to all the issues. And I I just hope the guy didn't take too big a pay cut. Is we, all I'm hoping. We will give Triple H some credit for that. Um, but. Uh, for well unless triple h cut his pay well that's true unless, <laughs> and then we won't get him correct no <laughs> then we're gonna we're gonna bash him for that but that's um, right no it's um yeah I, i'm at least intrigued by the potential there um because 
you know, if you read some of the rumors out there about they may be trying to get, you know, Karrion Cross and um, others like on the main roster here sooner rather than later. So it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I think most NXT fans would like Karrion Cross on the main oh, roster. I so. think so, too. And, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't disagree with them in, in a sense about, you know, his his act being I don't know. It's something that let's just and we, we've heard this so many times and we've said it, but it's like. You can see that act as something that Vince would love. But as we know, Vince's love only goes so far and for so long. So yeah. um, that's the problem. It can change on the whim as we saw this past week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, that is that is something to keep in mind. So positive vibes with NXT. Um, hell so Terry Cross will be probably part of your next future endeavors. Yeah. Well, apparently the, the draft's coming back in a couple months, too. So. Oh, good I, lord! Oh god, I hate the draft. Um, that's another podcast. I do too. It's, it's, it's <laughs> awful. The draft is such a mess because we. Uh, no, never mind. Uh, this I'm about to extend this podcast like four hours if I go into my next rant, but we'll hold that no, off for another hear, episode. Uh, come on, let's what a, no, we, yeah. we listen. We have to have a teaser for the next episode, so we're going to use that right there. Like, there's going to be there. something I'm sure for us to talk about. On the we'll next round episode. the draft for four hours. Huh? Yes, maybe we should <laughs> go back and watch like the first WWE draft. Uh, and what was that? 2002 um my god uh, yeah. what an interesting show I remember that, that was mostly because because uh you know vince drafted kurt angle and kurt angle smart vince up draft chris benoit yes i remember that, <laughs> I remember that. what uh i remember looking back at those rosters i remember that from how like 20 years ago and i don't remember <laughs> what happened on raw <laughs> it, right what? that's the thing i can remember like yeah. you know what else we had on that first here's a random nugget and I, i'm sure people yeah. i don't know how many people remember this but we had a Taz versus Mr. Perfect match on that Raw, that, that draft. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember anything don't about remember the match. That, but that sounds like a. But how about that? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure it was great. Taz and Mr. Perfect. That's all I that remember. Mr. Perfect 2002 run had a lot of potential. Oh man, when he got to and the, it fell off the table pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he got to the um, was it the final oh, four yeah, in the Kurt Rumble? Is, Kurt has mm-hmm. issues there at that point. Yeah. Let's be honest. Huh? Yeah, that's that. I'm writing this down. We're gonna we're gonna Seems, go back. He looked, he looked awesome in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he's he's in the final four. Him, Triple H. Yeah. Who was it? It was Angle. Was um, someone it, else. Yeah, perfect flex on Angle is fucking great. Yeah, but then you know, the Bloom came out came out the race very quickly. Yeah, and then um, there's that plane ride from hell. I say, there's a segue. We'll yes, we'll be doing a podcast on that eventually. <laughs> we, we've set up a lot of stuff here. We've set up a uh, future Dark Side of the Ring podcast. We've set up future uh, WWE draft watch along podcasts. Um, we we got it all figured out. So, um, but there you go. We build, we, you know, we build for a future here. We do. not like some other things. We build for a future on this show. Long term booking. Long-term um, booking is what we do here. Yep. So we're we're long-term booking ahead. We we may actually. I, I'm not even joking. We may actually go back and revisit this first draft because um, WWE. If you didn't know, and Steve, I'm about to put us in another position here. Where we can go on a rant. There you go. I was about to say it. Like it's on yeah. Peacock, which there's another podcast. Um, yeah. About podcast. the the WWE Peacock relationship, uh, yeah. but uh, they did just add all the SmackDowns from like '99 to '08. So. <laughs> Um, there, there's a lot of potential there, and and I've I've been wanting to go back and rewatch a lot of the sort of the ruthless aggression era stuff, uh, not necessarily the Triple H uh, reign of reign of terror on Raw, but um, some of the other stuff. Of course, SmackDown, as we know, the SmackDown Six and all that was was a good time. Um, but uh, th- yeah, well, there, there's a lot we could go back and revisit. So we may do that in one of the upcoming episodes, and we're I- I'm already marking it down. We're gonna do I don't know when it's gonna be. But we're gonna do an episode on that first draft because I'm I'm very curious. Oh, 
we might even redraft. Like, I don't even know what we need to do, but uh, <laughs> it could be interesting to, to look at that. How about so. Kurt Angle, Smyrna, you know, Vince on Crispin Wall? Yeah, you know, yeah. there'd be a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. Uh, a lot a lot happened. That's all I remember on that episode, but uh, we, we will do Flair that. drafts the NWL. Oh, what the yeah. hell? What are we doing here? What is this? What are of we course, doing? Of course, we had to split, uh, you know, the Dudleys. We, we had to do all that. Like, this, we had to be cool. And We got to make Deacon Batista. Yeah. Not the not well, yeah, Reverend Devon Deacon Batista. So it did actually work out. It did work out in that, that way. Yeah, like it it did work. Um, so we'll see when we not go for Devon, but we got for Batista. <laughs> well, yeah, that that is that is a good point. Um, yeah, Batista went on to be something, and uh, hopefully this podcast will continue to be something in your regular uh, listening uh, rotation. But uh, Steve. Anything you got going on over at 411 coming up? Uh, I know you've had uh, we've had a lot of stuff go up lately. Uh, we talked about the top Ultimate Warrior matches, uh, all the other stuff you've done. Uh, we've had uh, botch the top Hell in a Cell matches. Yeah, top Hell in a Cell matches. Talked um, about that. So the check that out. Call. Anything else you got up there? You know, I was going to review the AEW Dynamite show, but then my power went out, so I that wasn't good. That. Yeah, well, so Jeremy Thomas had to take over. So I mean, sure, I'm sure it was a good. I'm sure it was good. He's television. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. I'm not gonna lie. But you know, we got the ROH coming up, and then we'll get yeah. doing their top seven coming up. Another botched. There's always something in the mix. Good sir. Yep. Check it out. 411mania.com. You can find all our other stuff over there. Of course, we'll have coverage uh, of everything WWE Hell in a Cell on Sunday night. You can check that out. All of our reviews, live coverage. Uh, columns, uh, news, everything you need, 411mania.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, you can search for 411 on Wrestling, find it there to subscribe. Uh, because, again, we've got a, we've set up a lot of episodes uh, here in the future. So uh, if any of that sounded interesting to you, uh, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss uh, our thoughts on the first-ever WWE draft, uh, Peacock WWE. we we got a lot of stuff. It's coming. Uh, and then, of course, as we said, Dark Side of the Ring returns in September. We'll have stuff on that. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of talk about uh, in the world of wrestling before then. So check it out. Subscribe. All that, and as always, the uh, GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family. We continue to put that in the show notes. Continue to uh, share if you can. And thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast. And we will talk to you next time here on 411 on Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>